The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Families for reform of CAMS, as the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, were before an Oireachtas committee to express their concerns that children right across this country continue to be failed and families are still not receiving adequate support at times when they need it most. Speaking at that committee and joining me in studio now, Hannah Nigilavarthin, who is a spokesperson for Families for Reform of CAMS, Gráinne Morrison and Nima DC as well, who are both parents of children who have had to engage with the service. Um, I know we've all spoken before at different times, so it's great to see together and, and in person. Um, Hannah, can I start with you? Can you sum up for people at home the message you were hoping politicians would hear today? Yeah, so I suppose there were two key messages that we were primarily focusing on. First of all, we are calling on government to commit to the Mental Health Commission's 49 recommendations, uh, very much including the regulation of CAMS. Um, And then the second key message we were talking about was the need to end discrimination against autistic children in mental health services and to provide a service for children with intellectual disabilities within CAMS. Um, so they were the kind of two main areas we focused in on. So we'll come back to the Mental Health Commission um, in a moment because I think that would have kind of shocked a lot of people last year, um, you know, when they would have read some of the detail, stuff that you were all well aware of because you're dealing with it. Uh, but the autism piece, mm. so this is an interesting one. Explain the problem here and how kids are kind of being kicked from pillar to post because of autism. Yeah, so I suppose the policy position is very much that CAMS is the appropriate service to provide mental health services for autistic children. Uh, But the reality seems to differ very much. Um, And I suppose because we are the first national family representative group, we're being able to start identifying different patterns. So last August, we ran a survey um, and we found out that 85% of our families who have an autistic children were saying that they were having Um, They've had some negative experience uh, accessing services or supports based on the child having autism. Um, And we were due then to go in and give a presentation at Leinster House uh, before Christmas. So we went out and did another survey to learn a little bit more about the different experiences at play. Um, And I suppose the different stories that were coming in were pretty shocking. Um, We have children with severe anxiety, severe depression, uh, with suicidal ideation, and they're being turned away by CAMS. Um, and being told that there is not uh, evidence of a moderate to severe mental health issue. Um, And for us, that is mind boggling. Is the experience, and I know we can't talk about any specific physicians here, but like is the experience that they don't see beyond the autism diagnosis? I know you're talking about suicide here, but this piece of paper in front of me says autism. You need to be dealing with disability services. Exactly. So once they they hear a child might be autistic or they suspect autism, they say that the Child and Disability Network team should be looking after the children. Now, the Child and Disability Network team don't specialise in mental health services. We're not looking for access there. You know, some of our children are seeing them anyway. Some are not, just depending. Yeah. Um, But once they see the word autism, it does seem to lead to the children getting turned away. So... Um, it's not consistent across all CAM services. Some doctors will treat autistic children, some will not. Uh, so it seems to be a little bit of a lottery. Um, the old postcode lottery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've been here before. Exactly, that's it. Our message is that uh, anxiety, depression, they are separate and very importantly treatable conditions. And to den- deny treatment to, to autistic children is completely discriminatory. Um, so I suppose we're just trying to raise that issue. Mm. We've kind of seen developments in recent months, which makes us fear that actually this problem is getting worse rather than getting better. Okay. Um, 
Okay, we're, we're going to find out what those are in a moment. Perfect. And people would be curious as to why, despite all the attention, things may be getting worse. But uh, Emer, remind us of your own situation, your experience with CAMS. So our experience with CAMS um, has been regarding accessing care for ADHD. Um, so I suppose, again, when you look at ADHD, it's probably one of the most treatable mental illnesses that has been diagnosed. There's huge evidence internationally to support that. Um, early diagnosis and early therapies and treatments for uh, children with ADHD can prevent a lot of antisocial behaviour through teenage years, um, children opting out of education, so on and so forth. Um, failing to treat ADHD in that key area age up to puberty can result in addiction issues which have lifelong impact. Um, ADHD Ireland have done numerous studies on this and in studies of their adult population, mm. the percentage of members who have ADHD in adults, as adults, um, in terms of the level of suicide or thoughts of suicide is, is quite uh, mind-boggling. What is it like as a parent reading uh, the results of surveys like that and knowing that we're not intervening early? It's deeply concerning. Um, I mean, it's very much look at the draw. You apply uh, to, to CAMS. Um, generally, it's a trans, uh, referral from your GP. You could be up to two to three years waiting, depending where you are. Again, postcode lottery, as we've already discussed. Once you get into CAMS, people, I suppose, have to hope that this is going to solve it. We'll get all the supports we need because I suppose one of the <clears throat> baseline treatments that CAMS offer families is medication. Not every parent is going to want to go to medication first. They'd like to try other therapies yeah. because ADHD can, or children with ADHD can benefit hugely from emotional regulation therapies, from um, OT interventions. So there's a lot of other therapies that can work very well in in tandem with medication. Um, the experience of a lot of our members is that if they decide that they don't want to put their child on medication, they could be discharged from camps. Um, where a child decides or the parents decide to put their child on medication, that is the only service in a lot of cases mm. that they're being offered. So again, it's that full 360 piece. We're not getting that. We're not getting these supporting therapies. And then what you have happening is families going to the private sector, yeah. um, which is, I mean, CAMS is unregulated, but the private sector is equally unregulated. So it's quite worrying that parents are stretching themselves financially to provide their children with services um, for other part, you know, third party yeah. professionals outside of CAMS that maybe aren't fully qualified, they're not maybe properly regulated to provide yeah. services to and the I'm children. Sure that the people uh, offering services in the private sector who are brilliant at what they do and mm-hmm. offer brilliant service Absolutely. at the same time because there's no regulation, there's nothing to stop a snake oil salesman getting exactly. involved either. And that's the drawback. I'm kind of lucky to have two healthy kids at home, you know, touch wood, and it leaves me in the position of only being able to imagine what all of this must be like. And I'd imagine for like the the, the parent of a child who contracts some illness and, and, and for which there, there's kind of, there is no cure, there's nothing they can do about it. The level of frustration and despondency, I can, I, like that, I can only imagine. The frustration must be different in a situation like this where, you know, it, you've got this kind of diagnosis, you know how important intervention is. We're not talking about rocket science here a lot of the time. You've got these surveys that show, listen, a lack of intervention, a, a much higher likelihood of drug use, of suicidal ideation and all of this down the line. And yet it's not happening. Mm-hmm. The intervention isn't there. I can I can only imagine how it must be just like banging your head off a brick wall. Absolutely. And I suppose the other thing that's kind of worrying is across the country, 
you know, the treatment is inconsistent. So again, post-code lottery. So your neighbour a mile up the road, if they're in their a different kid area, is they getting might the get, treatment. Correct. Yours isn't. Um, you know, and I mean, ADHD Ireland only in the last week or so um, published findings of their own survey that untreated adult ADHD is costing the Irish taxpayer 1.8 billion per annum. Because so, of all the associated problems yes, that come with exactly. it being undiagnosed. Unemployment, mental health issues, mm. you name it, addiction issues. So again, I, I think, you know, if we think about it, a lot of children that present with ADHD and autism, they don't have intellectual disabilities. These are the leaders of the future and we're not investing in our future leaders. Uh, Gráinne, what was your experience of dealing with CAMs? Well, I, uh, we have three children um, and the three of them have been through CAMs at some stage. They're all neurodivergent um, so there's a combination at home between dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, ADHD, ASD, you name it, hypermobility. So we started off uh, when the boys were very small in primary care and speech and language was the first thing that was flagged. It mm. might have been delayed a bit. So we went to them. The speech and language uh, waiting list, I think, at the time was over a year. So we said we go privately. So we went privately. The speech and language um, person said, you know, kind of there might be some sensory things here. So we saw some sensory uh, bits. So we went back to primary care. Can we get some OT? They said, no. Uh, well, you can, but the waiting list is a year. So we went from back to privately for OT. Yeah. So then it went on to, they need an educational psychologist, they need a clinical psychologist, they need a psychiatrist and it was going back and forth and forth. And then we got to the CAMS stage where we had a diagnosis of ADHD for the boys but they wouldn't accept them. So we had put in a huge amount of monies along the way, went to CAMS and they wouldn't accept the um, uh, report from, and rightly so, they redid another um, mm-hmm. uh, assessment um, because they felt, you know, kind of they weren't, they didn't know who was assessing, even though the, the persons that were assessing them were very, they are now um, accepted by the HSC. Okay. So, yeah, long road, a lot of money, um, you know, going on privately and, you know, kind of that's... And... and you were lucky to to have that money, I guess, to spend. The, the 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 one of the imports of your story is that the kind of the equivalent person without that money, the children just kind of languish, is it? I'd say we're middle of the road people. I'd say yeah. you know, kind of, it wasn't. It was you just cut your, you know, kind of everything back. You paid everything yeah. like every parent. You pay for your children, um, whatever is needed, you'll do it. Um, so uh, we were lucky enough that we didn't have to make a choice of an electricity bill or, you know, kind of therapies. Whereas there's people out there that are very, you know, kind of much Mm -hmm. looking to see how much this is going to cost. Can I feed the kids this week? Or, but everybody's telling me that we need these interventions in place now. And if we don't get that, my child is going to be, you know, I don't know. Hannah, you talked about the fact that despite all the attention this has gotten in recent times, that, uh, you know, there's a suspicion things not only not getting better in some areas, getting worse. Um, expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I think that was in relation to the discrimina- discrimination against autistic children. So I suppose up until now, policy has been very clear that CAMS is the appropriate service. Um, but I suppose in recent months, last six months, we've seen a few kind of policy and implementation changes. So uh, first of all, over the summer, a pilot phase of a new CAMS hub was launched. Um, and the CAMS hub is to provide emergency intensive supports to children who need them. Um, but as part of the exclusions of that pilot pilot phase, children with, uh, in quotes, a primary diagnosis of autism mm. were excluded. Um, and these are children who have already 
uh, been deemed to reach the threshold of a moderate to severe mental health issue. They're already within CAMS. So the fact that they've been excluded from accessing a service that would benefit them is very worrying to us. Mm. Um, Also, the terminology, a primary diagnosis of autism, that's not what you find in international literature or research. Um, In in literature and research, you hear of a dual diagnosis of autism and a mental health disorder. Whereas we feel that the HSE is very much trying to push back and say that, you know, everything falls under autism and that goes to disability service and kind of keep autistic children at arm's length. Mm. Um, There's also been another kind of... Kind of slightly denies personhood as well a little bit, doesn't it, to the person with the difficulty? It suggests that kind of autism is just their defining characteristic and and all the other problems they have, we'll call it that, just they just come from that. There's there's no way this person could have anxiety or depression completely independent of their autism. Exactly that. And we have members asking, you know, they feel like... uh, the response is just that autistic people are fine to live in heightened states of anxiety. Whereas, you know, obviously parents know they deserve treatment. Um, so, yeah, we're really concerned. Mm. And I suppose the other thing is that's happening at the moment is that um, instead of getting multidisciplinary mental health services, what's coming has been kind of referenced a number of times recently is that the CAM psychiatrist would provide inreach into the disability services. So you wouldn't be getting a multidisciplinary approach Uh, Disability services are very open in saying they're not experts in mental health services. Mm. You know, um, they wouldn't be able to treat eating disorders, OCD, the things that our members are looking for. So we'd be very concerned about this approach. Uh, We've had members told they won't be seen until they engage with the disability service. But you're talking about two to three waiting years uh, for that. So to block off one service on the basis of not being able to access another um, is quite shocking. It's just, it just seems to be more uh, roadblocks are being added and members are very concerned that not accepting autistic children is a way of reducing waiting lists for CAMS. Um, Ema, this is a, maybe a difficult question, but I, I know you, when you came in, you were talking about the positive reception you got in, uh, at the Oireachtas Committee today. And I know speaking to senior politicians as well, that this is, and, and you know, sometimes very easy to be cynical about politicians. This is genuinely something that that causes them pause. You know what I mean? And 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 they would love to solve this problem. Michal Martin in the studio not too long ago picked it out as the one thing that that mm. kind of would keep him awake at night beyond other things. You know, and I and I believe him when he says it. At the same time, we're talking about this problem all of the time for years and years and years. Why? If everybody accepts the problem, the reality of it, and what needs to be done. I think we still probably, have it. Yeah, I, I think probably like the first thing we've asked today was that they would consider the regulation of CAMS first and foremost and that they would support the legislation to do that as a matter of urgency. Um, the second thing then I suppose is once you have that regulation in place it's then to take a look at as we've already alluded to early intervention can be the, the thing that helps mm. for all children. So if you had a more joined up kind of upstream approach to these cases. So if you see a child, and you know, typically it could be a public health nurse, a child not meeting milestones. That's the first red flag that comes. Then they go to preschool, red flags, primary school, red flags. That if there was a more joined up thinking um, that the child starts to get intervention earlier and that those interventions, instead of a parent having to start back at the bottom of another queue or join another waiting yes. list, that it's it's provided in a, in a joined up manner. I mean, that's the solution here. How we get there, 
I mean, we're not policymakers. No. I, I'd love to have the, the, the silver bullet answer for that, but we, we don't have it. Um, Hannah, you wanted to jump in there? Yeah, I suppose, you know, sometimes we get a little bit frustrated when we hear politicians saying certain things because, you know, decisions have been made over the ta- last 10 years not to prioritise reform. So, you know, even this year, Minister Mary Butler came out very publicly and expressed her disappointment about the amount allocated to mental health under the 2024 budget. So decisions are being taken not to prioritise the reform of CAMS. Mm. Um, so I suppose we'll believe it when we see the action to back it up. What action would you like, Grania? Um I'd go a bit deeper. I'd, the stigma removed from autism and being autistic. Um, you know, kind of people... We're only human beings, um, all of us. 20% of the population is neurodivergent and 3.3% is autistic. Um, when you've got that with comorbid ADHDs, people will say, oh God, this is very, you know, kind of they're the, either the bold child or this child or that child. If we could remove the stigma and then have a more proactive approach mm. to, um, you know, kind of pathways and very much, uh, you know, kind of, the silos removed from yeah. the HSA, those three famous silos <laughs> that are primary care, CNDT and CAMS. Gronia Morrison, Emer DC, and Hannah Nigilla Vartin, spokesperson for Families for Reform of CAMS. Thank you all very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.